0: Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. Every week on the show, I'm joined by my co-host, Bez, who is this week preparing for their fifth Super W grand final with the New South Wales Waratahs team as the manager. Correct. How are you, Bez? I'm great. How are you, friend? Yeah, I'm pretty good. How's your Easter been? Well, good. I enjoyed the fresh loaf of sourdough bread that you brought around this morning.
1: I uh, love rugby, women's sports, and bread. Taking a look around the grounds, Wright's huge win at home, Alison Felix announces her retirement, and Matilda's player Ivy Lewick raises over $37,000 for brain cancer research.
0: For our key story, we'll discuss the Afghanistan women's national soccer teams rebuild here in Australia after being forced to flee their home country following the Taliban takeover in August last year. Hey, you person who's listening, not you, Bez, person who's listening to this podcast. If you are maybe listening on your commute, that's not driving, would love if you could do us a favor and give us a review. You can go, you just click on the on the podcast while you're having a listen give us a rating out of five stars and would love if you could leave a comment to let us know what you love about the podcast or maybe what you don't love hopefully there's not a lot of those um and i also forgot to say that we wrapped up season two of the athlete podcast i keep meaning to say it every week and then i forget because we've got a few messages on the instagram about it we've finished season two of the podcast episode 13 with daisy pierce FAW player Was the last one. That was a Um, bonus episode too. It was a bonus episode. I just need some time off sometimes, you know, just need a bit of a break. You're a very busy human. Yeah, thank you. Before we get going again with season three, but Bez, what was your favourite episode of season two of the podcast? Um, I would have to say Nicola
1: McDermott. Um, Really very much enjoyed your conversation with... The high jumping queen. Um, she was candid and entertaining, and I guess you know when you see someone in in the sporting space on on television, and you you develop a assumption about them. She was as kind of effervescent effervescent as I thought she would be, mm. um, both in real life and 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 that persona that she that she kind of brings to her jumping career. Also, big shout-out, I believe she got married last week.
0: Did she? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well Congratulations done. to Nick.
1: Forever's a long time. Play on. What about you, Chloe? What was your favourite episode? Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think the Tiana Penitani episode had to be up there. So she was a, a former teammate of mine in Rugby Sevens and she's now playing rugby league. I loved it because sometimes I feel like... It's a tricky balance when you interview someone that you know because you can't really have too many inside jokes and things, but it was really cool to sit down with Tiana and have that chat and, and learn things about her that, that I didn't know before, and I think we've, we've been through some really similar experiences together. I thought that was a great one. Got some really good feedback on that one as well, so I think that'll be up there. So If you want to check out any of those episodes from Season 2, all on the apps, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, that one. So check them out. Let's take a look around the grounds. In surfing, it's been a pretty long four years for Tyler Wright. After two world titles on the trot in 2016 and 2017, she caught influenza A while in South Africa in 2018, and the virus morphed into a a pretty tumultuous two-year battle with chronic fatigue syndrome. Her road back to her peak has been long and... Wright herself admitted on Sunday that there's been so many times that she wanted to give up on getting back to this sort of form. She said, It's taken all of me, and I really feel that right now. It's unbelievable. Get back to that form, she did. And Bells Beach bore witness to Pete Tyler Wright over the weekend. She was immense in the final against five time world champion Carissa Moore, posting an 8.93 on her first wave of the final, and then another eight later in the final to finish with a combined score. Of 16.93. Carissa Moore could only manage a two-wave total of 10.57, and Wright always looked in control. It was pretty cool seeing Tyler after her win. Her brothers Owen and Mikey were there to chair her up the beach as she celebrated her first ever Bell's Beach title. Bell's is the longest-running event on the world tour and holds a special place in surfing history. Tyler said after the final, I cannot put into words what this means. It's more than a win. It's the only event I've ever wanted to win. I'm over the moon. I'm stoked. Would it be a surfing quote if they didn't say they're stoked in there somewhere? Has to be a level of stoke at all times. (laughs) It's a pretty ominous warning for the rest of the tour. She's well and truly recovered from her illness. She's now moved into second place on the rankings behind Carissa Moore. And the next stop is Margaret River in Western Australia with the waiting period scheduled to start on Sunday. That's another um, podcast. I think she kicked off season two of the podcast. So If you haven't listened to that one yet, um, incredible story, the way that she's come back from that illness. Beefy won that one. Beefy. Beefy. Had plenty of stoke to share. Plenty of stoke.
1: <laughs> in netball, defending champs, the New South Wales Swifts made some history on Sunday, but it wasn't enough to get the win over the West Coast Fever. Swifts shooter Helen Housby equaled the Super Netball record for most super shots in a single match when she drained 10 from outside the circle. But the Fever were too strong at home, getting the win 76-58 to to jump to the top of the ladder after five matches. Janelle Fowler had 58 goals from 61 attempts for the Fever, nailing her only two shots she took from outside of the circle. West Coast were brilliantly led by goalkeeper and captain Courtney Bruce who picked off their attacks with expert precision. She had 13 of the team's 22 possession gains and shut down much of the Swift's attack at crucial moments. The Fever joined the Melbourne Vixens on top of the ladder who suffered their first loss of the season over the weekend going down 71-58 to the Sunshine Coast Lightning. Maddie Hinchcliffe and Laura Sheeran were outstanding in the mid-court as the host recorded their second win of the campaign. It was a huge defensive effort from the Lightning. He restricted Melbourne's lethal attack to only 13 goals in the second quarter and kept the momentum going after halftime as the visitors wilted under the immense pressure from the Sunshine Coast defenders.
0: In Athletics... Alison Felix is a legend. If you don't know her, you should look her up because she is quite incredible. At Tokyo 2020, she won a bronze medal in the 400 meters, then followed it up with a gold in the 4x400 four meter relay. Those were her 10th and 11th Olympic medals, which helped her pass Carl Lewis in the record books for the most Olympic medals in US track and field history and left her behind only one runner in the history of athletics, Finland's Paavo Nurmi, who won 12 medals between 1920 and 1928. Some time ago. That's a long time ago. hundred years ago. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Felix announced last week that she'll retire after the 2022 season with her last major appearances likely to be at the US Championships in June, followed by the World Championships, which take place in Eugene, Oregon, in July. Felix also has a record 13 gold medals and 18 overall from World Championships. She took to Instagram to share the news and spoke of the joy the sport has given her. This season isn't about the time on the clock. It's simply about joy. If you see me on the track this year, I hope to share a moment, a memory and my appreciation with you. She's cool. I like her. (laughs) Um, She's become an outspoken advocate for women in sport in recent years and notably cut ties with Nike after giving birth to her daughter, Cameron. She was upset with the way the company treated pregnant athletes and took action. I love that. I love that she took action. Yeah, she's, she's, it's pretty incredible what she's done. Absolutely. She wrote an op-ed in the New York Times in 2019, revealing that Nike said it would pay her 70% less than what she earned before she became a mother, despite her accomplishments, and also that the company refused to guarantee she wouldn't be punished if she didn't perform up to her previous levels in the months around childbirth. She asked, if I, one of Nike's most widely marketed athletes, couldn't secure these protections, who could? In response, Nike announced a new maternity policy that guaranteed an athlete's pay and bonuses for 18 months surrounding pregnancy. She ultimately left Nike and signed with Athleta, a women-focused apparel company. She also started her own shoe and lifestyle brand called Seiche. In her retirement post, she declared, this season, I'm running for women. I'm running for a better future for my daughter. I'm running for you. More to come on that, so stay tuned. But I'll be sharing a series of announcements that I'm hoping will make the world better for women.
1: And can't wait for the more to come. Mm-hmm. Definitely stay tuned. In rugby union, the Super W semi final between the New South Wales Waratahs and Queensland Reds was not quite a replay of the final round match played the week before, but it was pretty close. The Reds started strongly and had chances early to get over the try line, but it was the Waratahs defence that impressed on Thursday night and they held a very determined Reds team to nil for the second time in a week. A characteristic run midway through the first half from captain at Grace Hamilton off the back of a scrum opened the account for the Tars and it was all new South Wales from that point on. The Waratahs crossed five more times to finish the match 36 to nil victors and earn a shot at redemption. Against Fijiana Drua in the grand final on Saturday. The Fijiana team handed the Tars their first defeat in four years earlier in the season when they scored a 29 10 win over the four time champs. The GF will be held as part of Super Round in Melbourne at Amy Park this weekend and it will be an absolute cracker. The Tars will be looking for their fifth title in a row, while Fijiana will be looking to stop the New South Wales juggernaut and win the trophy in their first season in the competition. So the Tars.
0: In soccer, last week, the Matildas secured their second win against the New Zealand football ferns in Canberra when they struck three times in the opening half. It was the captain, Sam Kerr, in the 15th minute who opened the scoring. She headed home a corner from Steph Catley before Hayley Razzo's low shot from the edge of the penalty area snuck inside the far post just minutes later. Kerr struck again in the 32nd minute. It was so she's so impressive it was the most casual thing like off the outside of her boot like she'd done it a thousand times before she probably has done it a few times before probably it's her job i guess (laughs) the kiwis got one back in the first half stoppage time and that was how the match would finish three goals to one post-match there were two notable moments firstly both teams gathered to support matilda's midfielder ivy Lewick, who shaved her head on the field after the clash to raise money for brain tumor research following her brother Noah's devastating diagnosis. Cancer survivor and football fern Rebecca Stott did the honors. She's also been on the TFAT podcast in season two, if you want to have a listen to that one. And Lewick raised over $37,000 for the Mark Hughes Foundation. Following that inspirational moment, the Matildas players stayed on the field for almost an hour after full-time, ensuring that every fan that stuck around got their selfie or their autograph. I also saw some of the players giving away the jerseys on their backs, boots from their feet. Socks. Socks, sweaty socks. I've given away sweaty socks after a seventh tournament. Did you sign it? I, I think maybe. Was it then going to go? I, thought, I hope whoever got it, it went through the wash. Tough to say. But I think the Matildas... Everyone across the entire organisation there have done such an exceptional job at creating that connection with the fans and the players themselves invest a lot of time in continuing to build that legacy. In
1: some more soccer, the FA Cup semi-finals were held in the UK over the weekend and the Matildas featured heavily in all four teams. Semifinal one saw Alana Kennedy and Hayley Razzo run out for Manchester City against Mackenzie Arnold and Tamika Yallop who started for the host West Ham. City proved too strong for the Hammers, finishing 4-1 winners to be the first team through to the final. The second semi was between London rivals Chelsea and Arsenal, and it was the hosts who booked their ticket to Wembley with a strong second-half performance at a sold-out Meadow Park. Matilda skipper Sam Kerr started up front for Chelsea, and the Arsenal team featured Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford. Chelsea started pretty slowly but clicked into gear after the break with Guru Riton breaking the deadlock with a stunning effort from the edge of the box before Jisoo Yuen fired one in off the underside of the crossbar 11 minutes later. The score finished at 2-0 and Chelsea will be looking to defend their FA Cup title against an in-form Manchester City side in the final on the 15th of May at Wembley. Big stadium, big occasion, (laughs) hopefully a big crowd. Mm -hmm. All of that's amazing. Just Matilda's over there doing absolutely exemplary jobs on field. In total, seven Matilda's played semi-final football over the weekend but fans across Australia struggled to find the matches on their televisions. The competition app FA Player was geo-blocked for Australians for Game 1 on Saturday night, and FA's website incorrectly stated that Optus Sport would broadcast the matches in Australia. So Optus Sport does hold the rights to the league matches, but they didn't purchase the rights to the FA Cup. The 10 Network and Paramount Plus did purchase the rights to the men's FA Cup tournament, but not the women's despite the women's competition featuring numerous Australian players.
0: How is that still happening?
1: I, I just don't understand, especially given that Channel 10 <sighs> and Paramount Plus are trying to build such a strong relationship with, this, with Australian football. Um, the fact that they actually went and paid for the rights for the men's FA Cup but obviously ignored the women's competition is just so disappointing. Luckily, after some online noise was made, the geoblock was removed from the FA Player app, um, and Australians were able to watch the second semi semi-final between Chelsea and Arsenal on Sunday night. Um, again, it's just ridiculous that Australian fans are, are left scrambling, trying to find a way to watch our Matildas play in one of the world's oldest and most prestigious competitions. Um, the media just really has to be better at giving these players the visibility and the opportunity that they deserve.
0: I don't really know what more Sam Kerr has to do. Like honestly, yeah, you can't really break any more records or win any more awards. It these female athletes don't need to prove anything anymore. These it's just got to be better than that.
1: And the FA Cup is a huge competition. It's it's not some you know league cup. I know there can be there are a lot of cups that go on in in Europe in football, but this is you know a, a really prestigious tournament, and it's something that again I just. The equality piece is absolutely missing. The fact that the 10 Network and Paramount Plus purchased the men's FA Cup and not the women's, Mm -hmm. it's there for everyone to see.
0: Let's take a look at the key story. We're staying on soccer here, and this is probably more of a a human rights story rather than about soccer itself, so stay with us. Bear with us here if you feel like you've had too much soccer for one day.
1: (laughs) So the Afghanistan women's national team is slowly rebuilding its identity after being forced to flee their home country following the Taliban takeover in August last year. I think we spoke about it at the time, Um, the fact that there was, I think, 80 of their players and family um, sleeping outside of Kabul airport trying Mm -hmm. to find a way onto the plane that the Australian military had ready for them. It's just, yeah, something that I can't even comprehend. Um, The lives of so many Afghan residents obviously were shaken after the Taliban seized control of the capital and the group of female soccer players were fortunate to find sanctuary in Australia after securing asylum here.
0: Former Socceroos captain and human rights campaigner Craig Foster, who does a huge amount in this space, said it was imperative that the side be allowed when they were ready to represent their nation, and he called on FIFA to uphold its rules around gender equality. He said, FIFA has a gender equality provision, and as a part of membership of the global football body, countries are in a position where they have to, or they're expected to, field women's national teams. The Taliban, as the rulers of Afghanistan now, have refused to do that. So the question for FIFA is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow Afghanistan to only field men's teams? And
1: I see just last month the Afghanistani men's team had a match against Morocco, so it it is genuinely still occurring. Mm. Um, FIFA has remained silent on the issue, but Football Victoria has moved to accept the Afghan women's team into their competition for the upcoming season after being earmarked for a place in Football Victoria State Leagues. The group has been supported by A-Leagues Club Melbourne Victory since their arrival and have trained together under the guidance of Football Victoria National Training Centre coach Helen Winterburn. The team hopes to use their participation in the Victorian Leagues to build a platform that will eventually allow them to lobby FIFA, national federations and governments to allow them to represent their country once again on the international stage. Team Captain Fatima said, all the girls are excited about playing together again. We wanted to stay together as a team to show that the Taliban can take away our country, but not our right to play the sport we love. And we'll ask for everyone's support so that we, continue our, we can continue our international careers.
0: There's a really cool video that you actually sent to me this morning, Bez, so we might share it on the TFAP Instagram page. So last week, sporting brand Hummel Sport revealed a new playing jersey for the team with CEO Alan Nilsen stating... Unfortunately, we had to cancel our sponsorship with the Afghan Football Federation in 2018 due to their role in a sexual abuse scandal. However, the Afghan women never left our hearts. And that's why we're proud to be back as a sponsor for the team and support their fight for equality, because we believe that everyone should have the right to play football, no matter who you are or where you're from. It's pretty cool. So the shirt will feature a new logo. Um, Hummel are removing the old one, replacing it with the message, let's play an equal game. The shirts are available to be purchased online with 100% of the profits generated from sales being donated to their team and their fight for equality. So I'll pop the link to that one in the show notes as well. Craig Foster, the man of the hour, what a man, provided an eloquent summation of the situation when he said, Gender equality is a fundamental principle of international football, and this team embodies this right. They are a powerful symbol of women's rights in Afghanistan and all around the world, and that is something the game must protect. I got a bit like goosebumps.: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I, and Craig Foster obviously is so active in that space and has used his profile for good. But it, this is this is a perfect example of a group of, of female athletes facing adversity, and hopefully coming out, you know, the other end in a much better position.
0: Yes. Let's take a look at what to watch.
1: In Rugby Union, the Grand Finals continue. When the Super W decider is played this weekend, the undefeated Fijiana drew up face-off against four-time champs New South Wales Waratahs at Amy Park in Melbourne on Saturday at 2pm. If you can't get to the ground, you can
0: watch live on Stan Sport and free-to-air on the Nine Network. We love free-to-air. In netball, Suncorp Super Netball continues and the Giants will be hosting the the top-of-the-table West Coast Fever on Sunday at Ken Rosewall Arena. The match starts at 4 p.m. and will be live on Foxtel and KO Freebies.
1: And in surfing, WSL moves west with the Margaret River Pro starting on Sunday also. Watch Tyler Wright attempt to go back-to-back live on Foxtel, KO Freebies, the WSL app, and the Seven
0: Network. Look at all those options. So many. How good. And that's the wrap. All done. (laughs) That's usually what we mean when we say that's the wrap. I was
1: going to say happy Easter, but you're just throwing shade at me. So I'm just taking that back. But no, happy Easter to you, Chloe, and to everyone out there. I hope you had an excellent four-day weekend.
0: Yeah, I agree. Don't forget, give us a review, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.
1: See you next week, friend.